this time of exposition and adoration, Lord, I pray that we pray that um, those rays of mercy would just penetrate our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies. We pray that we would just have a special encounter with you in the Holy Eucharist. You are truly present here with us, Jesus. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. We thank you. We praise you. The Holy Spirit of glowing flame, inspire us today. Unite all souls and form one heart and show the Father's way. So I don't think I really, um, I don't think I gave you like the title talks, and it's not that they're all all that um, um, eloquent or anything along those lines, but just to give you, you know, the first talk was on identity, you know, just being uh, the father's beloved, beloved um, children. Second talk. Um, is going to be on deliverance. And then uh, the talk this evening is going to be on um, the sacraments and inner healing prayer. And then tomorrow um, we'll have a talk on redemptive suffering. We just ask that the Blessed Mother would, under, under the title of Our Lady of Good Counsel, that she would just counsel us, obtain the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit for us, you know, in this time and throughout the rest of this retreat. Um, I, I didn't mention anything about Our Lady of Good Counsel in the homily this morning, so I felt like, ah, sorry, Blessed Mother, this was um, your Mass, and I didn't even mention you. Um, but uh, this image behind me of the Blessed Mother, every time I come to this chapel, it, it speaks in a special way to me, um, the way the Blessed Mother is holding her child, holding Jesus up to her chest. It reminds me of a conversation that I had with, uh, with, with my mother, I don't know, within the last, well, it's probably a couple years now. But we were talking about my youngest nephew, um, who was just an infant at the time, and... and um, <clears throat> And we were talking just about how, how we, how like she keeps, helps to keep him quiet, you know, quiets him down and this kind of thing. And she said that um, she puts one ear up to his, up to her chest and then she covers the other ear. And so that all she can hear or all that he can hear rather is her heart beating. And that somehow that just really quieted him. And um, that had me thinking, that's just what the Blessed Mother does, you know. That's what the Blessed Mother is doing in, in this retreat, you know, helping us to, by holding us close and, um, and, and taking us away, really, from the distractions, the noise of, of um, daily life. And so we get a, a, a short, uh, a brief, though welcome respite. Um, and that's really what retreat is about. But we can think of the Blessed Mother as having a, an integral part in that, you know, that she um, holds us close and she wants nothing more for us to hear her son and to be drawn deep to relationship with her son and our Heavenly Father, her Heavenly Father, as well as the Holy Spirit. 
couple, a uh, few years ago, I was on a Ignatian retreat and I was expressing to the director that so it's an eight day Ignatian silent retreat. And so if you think two days is hard, okay. <laughs> eight days is kind of hard too, you know, just um, not, not speaking to anyone. And, and there were seven priests on this retreat and uh, um, it, it was my first Ignatian retreat, silent eight-day Ignatian retreat. And um, uh, one of the things about the silence that just really struck me, one day about halfway through the retreat, I was sitting at lunch and I just, it, or dinner I think it was, where I was just blown over by how, um, how I just loved these other priests. I could just feel fraternity with these brother priests. And I hadn't talked to them for four days, you know, and how it was just that very thing of how we were in, we were being in a train, we were in a training of sorts and we're um, uh, in training for a battle, a different kind of battle. And so I kind of was kind of thinking of how we're fighting for each other to, to give each other silence so that we can hear the, the, the voice of God. And, um, uh, but it just really dawned on me how that was, you know, I could really see how the monastic life could work, you know, um, how silence just really can build fraternity, can build a bond of love. And um, because everyone's fighting for that. And so, um, you know, that uh, that's, we'd say, the goodness of of uh, our retreat this weekend as well. Part of the goodness of it is each of us being united in that, you know, just sharing, just fighting for silence so that we can each hear the voice of God. That's the point of a retreat, right? And so we, in doing that, um, giving ourselves that silence, giving others silence, we're, we're able to do that. And so we're, we're more open to hearing the Lord's voice. But one of the things that this uh, director I mentioned to him at one point during the retreat, I said something to the effect of um, how the, um, uh, you know, how, how I was talking about my own struggles and discerning my struggles in battle with the enemy, and discerning what the right thing was to do in, in different circumstances, what have you. And um, he just matter of factly said, matter of factly just said, um, life is war. And I was like, what? Life is war? <laughs> and I just, I started chuckling. And I was like, wow, okay. He said, well, that's what the catechism says. Paragraph 409. I'm like, okay. So I went and checked it out. And uh, this is what the catechism says. I'll read actually paragraph 407 and then 409. The doctrine of original sin, this is 407, the doctrine of original sin closely connected with that of redemption by Christ provides lucid discernment of man's situation and activity in the world. By our first parent's sin, the devil has acquired a certain domination over man, even though man remains free. Original sin entails captivity under the power of him who thenceforth had the power of death, that is the devil. Ignorance of the fact that man has a wounded nature 
So ignorance of the fact that man has a wounded nature inclined to evil gives rise to serious errors in the areas of education, politics, social action, and morals. And then paragraph 409 says this, this dramatic situation of the whole world, which is in the power of the evil one, makes man's life a battle. The whole of man's history has been the story of our dour combat with the powers of evil, stretching, so our Lord tells us, from the very dawn of history until the last day. Finding himself in the midst of the battlefield, man has to struggle to do what is right. And it is at great cost to himself and aided by God's grace that he succeeds in achieving his own inner integrity. So let us hear that last part. You know, aided by, it is at great cost to himself and aided by God's grace that he succeeds in achieving his own inner integrity. You know, and so um, but I think that what that conveys to me um, is, is that, um, yeah, most certainly uh, we're in a battle. Um, and, and I should say, too, in that same retreat, I brought up to him again, this director, uh, I, I said, you know, how relentless the enemy is, how relentless he is. And his response to that was, life is short, might as well duke it out. <laughs> but it was, and I, I laughed at that too, I, you know. Um, you know, what, what, what we hear in that, though, I hope we hear in that, is that, yeah, there's going to be skirmishes, there's going to be battles along the way, you know, but um, we're already victorious in Jesus Christ. We're already victorious in Jesus Christ. And in um, each of those battles, each of those skirmishes, in some way, as the Catechism says here, by God's grace, we, we are coming to a, a greater um, interior, inner integrity, it says. And, and so why, you know, maybe we just go quickly to the, the question of why does God allow us to be tempted or affected by or influenced by the enemy? Well, one of the reasons is that um, he's, we're in a training. We're in a training in how we're hearing the Lord's voice and how we're hearing the enemy's voice. And you know, it's a battle for our identity. It's a battle for our mind, but it's a battle essentially for our identity. You know, it's the enemy who's making us as a society and maybe even as individuals to question, okay, what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and what it means to be married, what it means to be a priest. You know, it's all about identity for him as well. So he's going to feed us with things um, that, uh, that, distract us from our true identity. And, um, uh, but, you know, it's also the case that as, lo as the Lord allows those challenges, as he allows those challenges, he's training us, he's giving us, frankly, an opportunity for victory. You know, and the more and more we rack up victories, um, the stronger we become. The stronger we become, not on our own power, for heaven's sakes, no. But the stronger we become with God's grace and the stronger we become in Christ, you know, as, as we go through the various battles and skirmishes of life. And so, um, 
you know, the, you know, growing in, and so we, we are continuing to grow in holiness in this whole um, battle, if you will. Um, but, and so the ironic thing is that the enemy's attacks, if we look at it from that standpoint, the enemy's attacks are actually helping our holiness, are helping us into, um, by God's grace and by his ability to bring good out of evil, as only he can do. Um, you know, I heard it once said that, uh, you know, that the enemy is just a pawn on a chess table, and then God is actually just, he's moving him where he wants. And so um, we want to distance ourselves from any notion that, that, um, you know, that he's all-powerful, that he has a total grip on my life or will always have a total grip on my life or always had or all this stuff. Yeah, he's, we've, we've had our battles. We've had our skirmishes. But we're, we have a merciful God. We have a merciful God who's walking with us, who is in us, and uh, who loves us. So in this battle, battle part, of the, part of what we need to do, though, is we need to shut the doors and windows to those ways in which we've allowed him in. As I said earlier, the only power he has is, or authority that he has in our lives is the power and authority that we give him. You know, so, you know, it comes back to, um, you know, if you believe the lie, you empower the liar. And so part of that is renouncing those lies. Um, you know, we talked about in the Be Healed book uh, that Dr. Bob Schutz wrote that, you know, the, the enemy is opportunistic and he heaps lies and judgments and beliefs on us. The enemy does that when we're wounded, when we have a certain wound to our hearts, what have you. And so I want to switch to another book uh, you may be familiar with um, called Unbound by Neil Lozano. Um, I, I believe it certainly is the case that we can um, just renounce in the name of Jesus, we can, we can renounce lies and spirits of the enemy. We can renounce those things just in the name of Jesus. Um, but Neil Lozano has done a great service to the church by giving us a, a system, if you will, or a way to... Um, he says it's a practical guide to deliverance, unbound, a practical guide to de deliverance. And he uh, gives five keys for deliverance. Um, basically, and this is shutting the doors and windows, the, the ways in which we've opened up a path to the enemy uh, to have an influence on our lives. And so he talks about these five keys, and he, he, he talks about it with respect to, you know, you look at a door, and a door, he says, you know, imagine a door that's got five locks on it. You have to turn, you have to get the key for each one of those five locks in order to open the door to freedom. And, uh, and so there's five keys. The first key, he says, is repentance and faith. The second key is uh, forgiveness the third key is renunciation, you know, making, uh, renouncing um, individual lies and spirits that have had their influence on us. 
The fourth key is taking authority and breaking the power of all those in the name of Jesus. And then the fifth key is the Father's blessing, where we allow God's blessing. We ask the Father to just bless us. But what he says regarding um, common entry points for the enemy, enemy, common entry points are these. Uh, Response to trauma. Okay, as he says, the things buried in darkness have the greatest influence on us. The things we have never told anyone, the things we have not processed in light of God's love for us. Another entry point is involvement in the occult. What is the occult? It'd be Satanism, witchcraft, seances, Ouija boards, mediums, astrology, tarot cards, palm reading, any attempt to communicate with or conjure up spirits. Okay, that's uh, the occult. Then he says another entry point is self-inflicted curses or pacts with the enemy. You know, making a pact with the enemy. Another entry point is circumstances of birth. Another is associations of, and environment, you know, friends and forms of an entertainment, that would be. Uh, maybe describe that as um, association, associations and environment. Willful sins and then family sins. And so these are what he says are common entry points. And uh, so I just like to look at each of the keys, though, to um, the five keys to unlock the door to freedom. And the first one is repentance and faith. Uh, You may have heard of Father Gabriel Amorth, who was the chief exorcist in Rome for many years, who said, the devil fears one good confession more than anything else. He fears one good confession more than anything else. And and so he's definitely speaking of uh, sacramental confession, and we'll have that as soon as this, I'll be available for confessions, um, to hear confessions immediately after this conference. But, you know, so it makes sense that, you know, he's he's speaking there of um, uh, the sacrament of confession, uh, which is incredibly powerful. But this, having this as the first key, repentance and faith, gives us an indication as to why this is the first key, you know, that confession is so important. And so what does that mean? It means owning up to our sins. It means uh, owning up to them and letting just the light of God shine on that darkness of, of fear and guilt and shame. It just makes our hearts all the more open and ready to receive God's love. So accepting forgiveness is, is a, a gift, is a gift flowing from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It means allowing God to be the merciful Father that He is, allowing the Son to be um, the Savior that He is, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to be the love between the Father and Son. Um, to, to help us to be all the more in conformity with the Father's will, with the Father's heart. And, and so what, you know, for all of us, and I, I you know, I'm, I'm just going to 
come from the standpoint of we've all experienced this. I mean, the first deadly sin is pride. You know, the first deadly sin is pride. And it's the root of all sin, we could say. And it's, it's wanting to do our own thing, right? Wanting to, to go about life the way we want to go about it. Um, regardless of what we know to be true about what's really good for us, what we've been taught. And, and so uh, in, with respect to pride, you know, this is what uh, Neil Lozano says, which I think is just so enlightening uh, in his book, Unbound. He says, pride seeks to place us in control to resist our dependency on God. We would, we would rather be in control than be intimate. We would rather be in control than intimate. We pretend to be better than we are. We act religious and holy, but we know that what is going on inside is a different story. And he refers to the parable of the prodigal son and, and the older brother in that story. The older brother detests weakness and boasts of strength. Brokenness and desperation are not valued, but looking good and success are. In Matthew 5, Jesus tells us that the poor in spirit, those who mourn and those who are hungry and thirsty are blessed. The older brother thinks he is never supposed to be weak. And so he looks with judgment upon um, his younger brother, in that parable that Jesus tells us of the loving and merciful father, the prodigal son, but the loving and merciful father who runs out to the son who squandered his inheritance and, and meets him and embraces him and kisses him and, and puts his um, royal attire back on him. And then the second key is, is forgiveness. So we, we remember that Jesus, uh, well, first Peter asked Jesus, and this is in Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times. And so forgiveness is, is also key, is so important, is so powerful. And, you know, I just want to say, too, if we're, you know, it can be kind of scary, frankly, you know, to, uh, to forgive others, you know, because um, it can be kind of scary to do that because we, we, we're brought back to a place where we've been hurt. And, um, you know, so if we're not in a place, frankly, of wanting to forgive, you know, I think, I think it's good just to say that to the Lord and say, Lord, I just, I don't feel like forgiving. I just, I, I, I want to forgive or Lord, I don't want to forgive. You know, so bringing that to Jesus, just sharing with him where we're really at. And, and maybe it's a case of saying, Lord, give me the will to forgive. Give me the desire to forgive this person. Or maybe it's, um, Lord, give me the will to will to forgive. You know, however remote it, has, it is, really and sincerely, um, to bring that to the Lord. 
and say, Lord, this is just where I'm at. I, I know that I'm supposed to forgive, but it's hard because of this or because of that. I need you to help me to get to that place. Um, again, it's, he, he wants to meet us right where we're at. Um, but there's, again, forgiveness is powerful. And, and you know, for a second here, I just want to say that, you know, our, our whole, um, for just a minute here, I just want to convey that our, our whole person, heart, mind, soul, and body, our spirit, our intellect, our will, um, we're not just a divided, we're not a puzzle that's put together with these four components. You know, each, um, our, the spiritual part of our lives, the, the mental, emotional, physical, they're all connected. They're interconnected. And so uh, the health or the uh, infirmity in one area can affect the health and, infir and infirmity in another area because we're a whole person. We're not divided up. We can't just make these, um, uh, just, uh, divide us up in this way. Um, and so it can be the case, and I've, I've heard of cases, I, I know of cases where people, and in fact, Dr. Bob, um, in his book, in his book, Be Healed, you know, talks about an instance um, where he witnessed, as he prayed with someone through forgiveness, how they experienced a physical healing right in front of his eyes. Amazing stuff. Miracle. And, and I've heard of instances there where people have, I know of those, those times where people have, just by forgiving somebody that they've been holding on to, you know, that they've experienced some healing physically even in their lives. You know, and so you know, that might be what the Lord wants to do in, 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 your, in your case or in someone else's. Yeah, but to but to understand that that does happen, okay, it does happen. So the Lord can do that. That's one of the reasons why we could say that that forgiveness is powerful. But it's so freeing. It's freeing that we don't have to keep track of. Um, we don't have to keep track of judging this person for the rest of our lives. Um, you know, some of the reasons, uh, Neil Lozano gives some of the reasons for why we don't forgive, okay, why it's hard for us to forgive. And so uh, one of those is lack of faith. Another is lack of want or desire. Another is lack of awareness of deep wounds or desire for revenge or fear or pride, or failure to take responsibility, or influence of evil spirits, or lack of understanding of our forgiveness. So just to be clear that forgiveness does not mean that the person is off the hook, so to speak. Uh, it just means that, it doesn't mean that they aren't accountable anymore for what they've done. It just means that we are giving judgment of them over to the Lord. And, um, and one of the things that we can do, one of the things we can do, especially if we're in a place where we can't, in a, a point in our life where we can't maybe express it openly and outwardly, a forgiveness to somebody, or maybe it's just not possible in terms of, you know, maybe that person's deceased. 
or maybe they're across the world somewhere or something. I don't know. Just hard to do. You know, but to envision them, just to think of them, one thing we can do is to think of them and, and just tell them honestly and openly everything they did to, to hurt us, to hurt me, um, and then to say, um, in Jesus' name, I forgive you. You know, to picture that mentally and, and to do that um, can be healing, can be very freeing. And it's also, um, um, it's also important to forgive oneself too. You know, this is something I don't think we say enough, frankly, to be able to forgive ourselves. You know, sometimes I think it can be the case, I know it is the case, that, that we can be so focused on how bad something was that we are just so fixated on that and that we just, um, you know, even if we've been to confession and we've handed it over to the Lord, where we just continue, you know, obviously with some, honestly, with some help from the enemy, we continue to beat ourselves up with it. Um, and we don't forgive ourselves. And so it's important to, you know, after we've brought these things to the Lord, to, to, to forgive ourselves for them as well. Um, and if, if we don't, if we don't forgive ourselves, okay, then that can come out in just disappointment towards everyone else because we're disappointed in ourselves. That can come out in different ways. You know, if we're, you know, again, it comes back to what Dr. Bob says, you know, what we believe in our heart becomes our identity. What we believe about ourselves becomes our identity. And then that is, then it, then it ends up coming out in various ways, you know, and manifested in different ways. But this is what Neil Lozano says about um, forgiving oneself in the Unbound book. He says, to forgive yourself is simply a declaration that you are in agreement with God that you will not hold yourself to higher standards than God, and you will not demand of yourself more than he does. We forgive ourselves the, the same way God does, on the basis of the mercy poured out in Jesus. We know we have forgiven when we begin to realize that the person who has offended us is really a source of blessing. And there's a great mystery in that, and I don't think I can explain it fully, but... I can, I can say that I've experienced that as well. You know, um, I guess an example, frankly, would just be, um, uh, you know, in forgiving my dad for just some of the, um, you know, I think, you know, with God's grace and, and with, you know, forgiving my dad for some of the, um, you know, just harsh interactions or just his um, anger at times. Uh, I, you know, I, I've, I've experienced a healing which says your dad wasn't like that all the time, even though that I was focused on that. And it's important that we not downplay it because if it's a wound of the heart, we go to that and we ask the Lord to heal that. And, and yeah, they're accountable for that. But with the process of healing, the Lord can bring us to that place and desires to bring us to that place where yeah, he, he, he shows us other, he shows us maybe the wider picture, if you will, or the bigger picture. And um, 
you know, for me, that was, yeah, my dad wasn't like that all the time. In fact, he, um, he was extremely patient many times when, um, so one of the things we would do as a family, we'd go boating on Saturdays and, um, since, uh, 1978, we had gotten a boat in 1978. And, um, so I was nine years old at the time and, uh, um, and we went boating every Saturday and my brother and I would do all kinds of, you know, water skiing and, and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff, um, being pulled behind, uh, that boat. And we would fall and we would fall. We'd do, you know, like one time, I think my brother tried, I know he tried to, to we both tried to ski on an oar, okay? Because we saw it in a, in, a, in a water skiing show, right? So we're both trying to ski on an oar and, you know, dad would, he'd pull us, we'd fall down, he'd come back, pick us up. It was never get back in the boat, that's enough. So... You know, I look at that and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the Lord, dad was just, he was, he just enjoyed, he was like the heavenly father in those times. He was just enjoying watching his kids have fun. And, and so that, that's just an example that comes to mind for me. But I think, you know, it's with forgiveness that I was able to, you know, forgiving him, I was able, I think the Lord opened my eyes to other things, you know, blessings, ways that God, that my dad blessed me. And I'll share more of that later. Um, this book here has a great, um, okay. So I, Neil Lozano says, God gives us the gift of gratitude in the same way forgiving ourselves allows us to appreciate who we are and how God made us. So in this book, that's a, a kind of accompanies the, um, the unbound book. It's actually a guidebook for those who are in the unbound ministry Helping Others Find Freedom in Christ, so also by Neil Lozano, Unbound Ministry Guidebook. You know, he says this, uh, in recognizing pride, you know, it's keeping us from forgiving and especially forgiving ourselves. He says, as you can see, self-justification sometimes shows up as striving, but at other times it is recognized by the inability to forgive oneself. Many people believe firmly that God has forgiven them, but they cannot forgive themselves. They may say, how could I have been so stupid? Or I can't believe I did this. This too is self-justification. This self-justification comes from the pride that wants to be good enough to be deserving rather than forgiven and loved. Now that, uh, the pride that wants to be good enough to be deserving, you know, again, instead of just letting God be God, letting him be the awesome, merciful God that he is and father that he is, you know, um, instead of allowing that to happen, you know, pride wants to be good enough to be deserving rather than forgiven and loved. And so if that's part of our woundedness, please do not, um, judge yourself for it, um, but we take note of it. And we ask the Lord to help us pass that place. You know, just, Lord, can I forgive myself? Can you help me to forgive myself for these things? So then the third key is renunciation, identifying the lies and judgments um, 
the lies and judgments and renouncing them and renouncing them in the name of Jesus. And so it must be spoken out loud, you know, to have, it must be spoken out loud. Um, you know, the enemy and evil spirits cannot read our thoughts, can certainly introduce a thought and make it, make us think that it's our thought, but, um, uh, and so speaking out loud these things is important. You know, as we forgive, as we tell God we're sorry, and so maybe with those first two keys, maybe there's things that have already come to mind for you um, or are coming to mind for you right now of things you need to repent of and, and just tell God you're sorry for or people that um, you think that you need to forgive in your life, um, individuals or groups of people, um, so the Lord wants to help you in that. And so we can say, you know, in the name of Jesus, I renounce a spirit of pride. In the name of Jesus, I renounce a spirit of, we go through all the deadly sins. In the name of Jesus, I renounce a spirit of anger. In the name of Jesus, I renounce a spirit of lust. In the name of Jesus, I renounce a spirit of gluttony. You know, we can, um, or we can renounce lies. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I am not loved. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that um, I have to measure up. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm stupid. Um, you know, and so it's, we, we ask the Lord to help us to, you know, for him just to reveal what those lies are that we're operating under. And, and then for us to just renounce them in the name of Jesus. Then the fourth key is authority. And it's really just... Uh, one statement. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of every lie, judgment, and spirit I've just renounced, and I command it to leave right now. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of every lie, judgment, and spirit I've just renounced, and I command it to leave right now. And then there's the Father's blessing, where... Um, where we just ask the Lord to bless us. You know, we, we just ask the Father to bless us and um, to fill the void, if you will. Again, Father, I want to know your love for me. And, um, and so there is uh, an unbound ministry in our diocese where uh, teams um, help individuals go through these steps. And... Um, it's, it's been freeing. It's been incredibly miraculous in the, um, in the way that um, healing has come about. And um, many have um, experienced that. Finally, I just want to talk a little bit about discernment of spirits. Uh, Father Gallagher's book, Father Timothy Gallagher, he's got a whole series of books. I don't know if this looks familiar to you, but it's called The Discernment of Spirits by Father Timothy Gallagher. Uh, this also, I, you know, so this book, the Unbound book and the um, uh, uh, Be Healed book, I think just go so very well together, obviously with sacred scripture and um, but uh, it's, it's good. The, the discernment of spirits is also important for us. You know, St. Ignatius's rules, 14 rules of discernment, 
and, uh, and, and helping us to understand, you know, what spirit is at work that's influencing us. And so Father Gallagher talks about, you know, first of all, there's basically three things to be, to, to, to be aware of, I guess. First of all, the, so the first thing is actually to be aware. The second is to understand. And the third is to act, you know, based on um, um, you know, once we are aware of what's going on, especially in our minds and our hearts, what our emotions are, what our feelings are, being aware of those in any given moment, and then also um, uh, being aware of those in any given moment, and then understanding, okay, discerning where is that coming from, and then acting based on, on, on that. So one of the basic truths that I think he really brings out, um, Father Gallagher does, in pointing out that, you know, our Christian lives can be, we're like on this wave, essentially. You know, that we have times of consolation and we have times of desolation. And that this is the normal Christian life. And that we are, um, and so just to be aware of that, to understand that that's how, that's, that's what our lives can look like. You know, at times we're in consolation, at times we're in desolation. And, uh, you know, just knowing that, and that, that I'm not necessarily a bad person, I'm not a bad person or a bad Christian just because I'm in desolation right now. You know, it's important for us to, to know that. But there's certain things, according to the rules of St. Ignatius, that can help us um, understand what to do in those times we're in consolation in those times and in those times we're in desolation. And it's always the case that desolation is never from God and it's always to be renounced, always to be rejected. So I'm not going to go into more of that, but this, this is a, a great resource as well, the discernment of spirits. Okay, finally, um, well, let's see here. I just want to share with you a, um, an experience of forgiveness uh, that my dad gave me, um, that he was an incredible gift from him, frankly. And when I was uh, in college, so I studied engineering at the University of Nebraska at the end of that, and I was discerning going to the seminary, um, one of the... Um, and then I made the decision at the end of my fifth year of college, last semester, I should say, that I'm going to go into the seminary and just give that a try. And, and um, you know, my dad wasn't too big on that idea. You know, he and my mom had just paid for, and I could understand, you know, I just paid for all my college. And they wanted, he especially wanted to see me go out and be an engineer and get in the workforce and, and all this. And, and I said, no, dad, I have to, I have to, I have to at least try it right now. And, um, and so for the first two years that I was in the seminary, that, um, that was a struggle. It was a struggle. It was very tense at home and, and, uh, difficult and until, uh, something broke in a sense, or you know, there was a change there in his mindset. And, um, about two years into the seminary, and he became a big supporter. 
In fact, he and my mom were, by the time I was ordained, they were my, my biggest supporters, you know, being, uh, becoming a, a deacon and then a priest. But um, two years after that, um, after I was in, after I was ordained, I should say, uh, this is back in 90, 99 now. In 97, I was ordained a priest. In 99, I was, I was sent to study in Rome. And before I uh, left, I was in my room, uh, my parents' house, the room they had for me there at the time. And um, he came in at one point as I was packing things. And he said, and I could just tell there was just peace that just came into the room. And he was just very compassionate. And he said, son, I am sorry for all the things that I said to you. Will you forgive me? And you know, my response there at the time was, sure. I, I said, yes, Lord. I, or I'm sorry. I said, yes, Dad. I forgave you a long time ago. And, uh, but I struggled with that, frankly, uh, I, from my perspective. I mean, I, I, I don't know if my forgiveness really matched his, his um, act of love in that. And uh, so I, I just know from that experience, as well as others, how powerful forgiveness can be and is. Um, hearing that from my dad is an incredible gift to me. And... Um, just, um, yeah, it was just an incredible gift. Uh, finally, I would just like to um, go through, just if we could just go through and renounce, we could go through those five keys. You know, just you can participate if, if you want. Um, you can, if you, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. If it doesn't resonate with you, then you don't have to say it. But, you know, I just thought we could go through and just um, not officially going through the five keys of unbound, but just going through those steps, I would say. You know, the five keys um, of repenting, forgiving, renouncing, uh, taking authority, and then the Father's blessing. Okay. So Lord, we just ask you to help us in this and uh, we just ask for your guidance that you would just. So if there's, uh, so the first key is forgiveness. I'm sorry, is repentance and faith. You know, if there's something that, that you feel like you need to repent of, um, There's something you just feel sorry for. You can just say in the name of Jesus, I am sorry for, and then just you can fill in the blank. And then the second key or forgiveness, there's somebody the Lord's bringing to mind for you in the name of Jesus, I forgive. You can just fill in the blank there. In the name of Jesus, I forgive. And so now we want to just renounce. Um, just renounce any lies, any judgments, 
And I'm just going to let you do that, frankly, as I'm, I'm wanting to get into the confessional, frankly. And, um, but just, you know, renouncing those lies or judgments that are on your own hearts or that come to mind for you. Um, you can just say that in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of, you know, you go through all the deadly sins. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that, you know, if there's a particular lie that's coming to mind for you. Um, that fourth key, um, I break the power. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of all these lies and spirits that I have just renounced and judgments I just renounced and I command them to leave right now. Heavenly Father, I just pray in the blessing, the fifth key. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would just bless uh, everyone here, everyone uh, participating from home. I pray that each one of them, Lord, that you would just pour blessing and grace and mercy and strength and anointing gifts into their minds, hearts, souls, and bodies, that they would just know uh, your immense love for them, Heavenly Father, that they would just be always and everywhere just living their identity as your beloved children. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.